Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today my guest, she's a comedian who has appeared on Netflix, on Comedy Central, and on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. She's also the co-host of the Reply Guys podcast. Kate Willett, thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Justin. So, so Kate, I, um, I want to... I want to talk a little bit about you are you're kind of a big deal, especially when it comes to Twitter. Um, you have a really big following, and you're also uh, I don't know if you call yourself a political comedian, but you sure seem like you, you care a lot about politics, and you're a comedian. You're very funny. So, oh, thank you. I was I was I got to be admit I was on Twitter the night of the New Hampshire primary, and I knew that you were you and I talked before, and I knew you were out canvassing for Bernie. And uh, knocking on doors and all that, and so I, I I'm watching it at home, and I said, okay, I'm gonna go check out uh, Kate's Twitter account, and I just wanted to follow up on a couple tweets that you posted, yeah, if, sure. if you don't mind. So I, I gotta know first off, um, your decision to uh, have sex over reading primary hot take tweets uh, is. Do you still stand by that? Yeah, you know I look. I really have, for the past, like, few months, given, like, everything in my heart to this election, and I still am, but I need to, I need to take a little bit of time offline and be with my friends and recharge and just do stuff in real life, because the the, the Twitter stuff can really drain you, you know? Uh, but when it comes to having sex, sure, yeah, I definitely... Uh, I definitely stand by it. I, I think it's a good, a good thing to do. For time. <laughs> I was on a sex strike because I was like, I'm not having sex with anyone. until Bernie Sanders uh, is the nominee, at least. And, you know, then I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, you know, what if I combined my uh, passion for Bernie Sanders with another person's passion for Bernie Sanders? Could we supercharge it and make it more likely that Bernie Sanders will get elected? <laughs> you, you really felt the burn, huh? Yes, exactly. Although that sounds kind of upsetting when it comes to sex. It sounds like, uh, <laughs> like some sort of antibiotic <laughs> necessary situation, which I'm, I'm not at right now. Yeah. Is it harder to, is it more taxing to go knock on doors and canvas and, and talk to people? Uh, or is it is it more taxing to like deal with trolls on Twitter? Um, I think it's more, I think online is like way more depressing. Like canvassing is, canvassing is really fun. I love it. And I think part of the thing that's fun about canvassing is I think when you're canvassing, you have to be in a very like receptive state. Like you have to be open to people and ready to listen. And like, for example, even if someone voted for Trump, you know, like you have to, obviously you never have to agree with that decision, but you kind of got to like, open up to the possibility of connecting with them and finding some common ground. And, you know, I think that's, that's the place that people are willing to move their opinions, you know? So you really have to kind of get in touch with certain like uh, generosity in yourself, which is a, a good place to live in, you know, at least sometimes. And Twitter is like all just opinion, not saying everyone else is wrong. And that's fine, but it it's you know it can be I think like spiritually bad for you to be uh, in that place all the time. Right. I mean, I imagine like people don't talk quite as much shit when you're like standing on their lawn being like, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know a little bit about Bernie Sanders' platform on Medicare for All." Like, I feel like yeah. that's <laughs> that's a little. Yeah, I mean, I- 
canvassed like a ton, but nobody's ever been mean to me. I mean, there are definitely people that are like, oh, I can't talk right now. Uh, no thanks, you know. But like once you actually get into a conversation with someone, nobody's a jerk, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did you so so are you how political have you been in your I know I know this election is is obviously pretty meaningful for I feel like everybody if if they give a shit but like how long have you really been political yourself Um I think the I think my first introduction to like caring about politics was uh probably through two issues one was the iraq war i was still a teenager but i knew the war was wrong and i went to protest and stuff and that was kind of like my first uh the first time i was politicized i think and then the other thing was it's like i you know i'm bisexual and when i was in college i fell deeply in love with a woman that i ended up um marrying but i mean we we weren't really like we were not legally married because gay marriage was not legal at that time and so i did some activism uh, regarding uh you know especially um gay marriage but i don't actually you're not supposed to call it gay marriage anymore same-sex marriage uh i don't know it's been a while since it's been illegal but i i also was just you know i was active uh, in college and in the years that followed, um, regarding, uh, LGBT rights issues and also, um, reproductive freedom. I think this is the first time that I've really been extremely invested in like a federal election, but I've always been political, I would say. Does, 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 uh, does politics get into your, your up a lot? Is, is your standup political in that way or do you kind of stated you know more observational types of topics or how would you how would you characterize your stand-up yeah i mean my stand-up tends to be really about like my personal life or at least aspects of my personal life that are really funny um but i have been writing some jokes about politics this election and season especially the past month or so because it's like you know, politics do feel so personal to me right now that it, you know, it is kind of out together. But I actually would like to do more uh, political jokes, not so much like kind of news items of the day or something, but just you know, kind of like un- underlying issues. I think would be fun to explore in my stand-up more, but I haven't really so far that much. Yeah, it's it's something like I did stand-up for about a decade, and and it was always it's always a weird line to try to weave in because especially these days, I feel like there's so much happening. And like you said, I mean, if you're trying to write topical humor, like good fucking luck, like, you know, every, you're going to have to write new jokes every, every like afternoon. But, um, but I think it's a, you know, it's a different venue. And, and I, you know, the other thing is I, I feel like I've talked to various comedians since I've been doing the podcast and, and asking them about, you know, when people show up to a, to a comedy show, they don't like to be lectured, you know, they're there to laugh, that kind of thing. I mean, is that, even though I know you don't get too political in your stand up right now, do you see that with other comedians or other audiences where, where a comedian will get there and be political and they're like, fuck, I don't want to be here, you know? Yeah, I think it's kind of, I think that time has sort of passed. I think after the 2016 election, there was a lot of really political stand up and audiences got sick of it really fast. And so, I think comics just kind of all naturally moved on from it. But, you know, I do, but I would say the exception is there are people who have 
like I think really interesting and also personal takes on politics and that stuff can do well. Like if there's a personal connection, it can sort of override people's resistance to like listening to more political stuff, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. Today's podcast is brought to you by Ohio State University who attempted to trademark the word the in the Ohio State University. Of course, the prestigious U.S. Patent and Trademark Office denied this trademark request because you can't trademark the word the, you pretentious douches. This message brought to you by the University of Toledo. Suck it, you Buckeye snobs. Life is not a movie. It's just a phase. Everybody's searching inside a maze. Never will be perfect. But we can try. Only thing that's certain is that we die. When our credits roll, that's all we are. Who will be an extra and who will so you, you wrote an article in L, um, which was really extremely uh, heartfelt and, and, and beautiful, I thought. And it was about kind of how you went from being not a Bernie bro to being a Bernie bro. So for those out there who may not really stay online all day long or know about the characterization of a, of a Bernie bro. Can you tell them a, like what is, what's kind of the stereotype of the Bernie bro and B, why did you decide to move over? And and how does that, like, how is it to be on the other side? Yeah. So, you know, Bernie bro is a term that was invented in the 2016 election um, it was either invented by the Clinton campaign or pushed heavily by them uh, to describe a online Bernie Sanders supporter and particularly to characterize Bernie Sanders movement as like a, a bunch of uh, white dudes, you know, and um, I think I would use that term jokingly in 2016 a lot because like I had, uh, you know, I just had like all these like reply guys in my mentions who were like, enthusiastic Bernie Sanders supporters and occasionally they happen to be sexist as well you know and I was mad about it because I am a feminist and like I it just sucks being a woman online sometimes so like I think Bernie bros were something that I thought was real you know like just that maybe Bernie Sanders movement was like actually a lot of like dudes who had misogyny issues um and you know I think I, I did vote for Bernie in 2016, but I was, you know, by no means an enthusiastic supporter of him. Um, but, you know, I think over the past four years, uh, a lot has happened in my life that has caused me to look into democratic socialism more deeply. What I wrote my article about was that I was uh, dating and in love with a socialist man who had depression and um, the fact that he could not get medical care because he was uninsured contributed to him dying from depression and that was a really radicalizing and galvanizing event for me um i spent a lot of time looking into uh socialism and also to uh you know just like volunteering um like reading a lot getting really involved with bernie sanders campaign because he is you know obviously really pushing hard for medicare for all and what I have learned um, in in terms of like you know being involved with this movement to try to elect Bernie Sanders and other democratic socialists and progressives to office is that it, there's, there's almost no truth to the Bernie bro stereotype. There are more women who support Bernie Sanders than men. This movement is 
very multiracial. Uh, in my opinion, it is very feminist, you know, which is important to me um, as a lifelong feminist. And um, yeah, I mean, I would just say that I was totally wrong in 2016. I mean, I was, I think, accepting a certain media narrative at face value because it matched on some level with the, experiment, the experiences I was having. But what I have since seen, like now that I am a very vocal Bernie Sanders supporter, is that it, People, yeah, people are still mean to me on the internet. Like, it's not, like, I, really, I do think that there's mean Bernie Sanders supporters on the internet, and there's also mean Warren supporters and mean Buddhist supporters. Like, there's just bad supporters of every candidate, and it is not specific to any, uh, you know, particular candidate. Yeah, yeah. I think you put it pretty well on one of your, your, your tweets, which was, uh, you know, somebody called like the Bernie supporters like a cult, and you're like, if this was a cult, I would definitely be in a forced marriage with another podcaster right now. And uh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yet, single I am. Single I, mean, I am. <laughs> just, yeah. And first of all, I would never join a cult that like wasn't super uh, heavy on the sex and the drugs. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fun person, and uh, if I were to join a cult, it would not be about. Uh, volunteering so um well and i want to ask you in a second about about the win and and kind of going forward with bernie but but you you mentioned something that stuck out to me and i think it's a it's such a sticking point with like the moderate types uh both democrats and Republicans. like the word socialist and and i know bernie uh labels himself a democratic socialist can you tell folks like what's the difference First of all, and and between a democratic socialist and just a socialist, and and also, uh, why 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 do people hate? <laughs> like why why is that such? A, I, I'm sure you know, but when you go canvas doors, like do do people react to that? Or like, well, he's a socialist, and and then you, how do you handle that? Um, in in you know, in, in knocking on a bunch of doors, and also making a bunch of calls for Bernie. Uh, only one person ever had any concern that he labels himself a democratic socialist. And they weren't even upset by it. They were just worried that other people would be. Um, I think that, you know, there's been a lot of, of anti-socialist propaganda in the United States for a really long time, um, you know, even preceding the Cold War. And, you know, it's capitalism is deep within um, like the philosophy of this country, you know, it's kind of like a religion here. Um, you know, I think there are some misconceptions about socialism. Like I think if you ask people, you know, back in 2010 or something like that, uh, folks would have described like, you know, the USSR or something like that, but that is not the kind of democratic socialism that's on the table right now. Um, the democratic part, democratic socialism it means we're not trying to uh, like violently overthrow the government here what we're trying to do is have what bernie sanders calls a political revolution by uh electing candidates to office that are funded by individual donors instead of corporations so that they are accountable to the people and are uh able to push for and hopefully enact policies for the many and not just the wealthy few you know so um in in let's say we succeed and Bernie Sanders uh, becomes president and we elect you know a full 
slate of aligned progressives to Congress. You know, hopefully we see things like Medicare for all or tuition free college or a Green New Deal, which is climate action combined with uh, jobs guarantees. And, you know, really just like a, a bunch of policies that are designed to help people and reduce economic inequality. And I think to my generation, you know, millennials and folks younger than us, like our future looks bleak without those policies, you know, like we'll be alive during the worst effects of climate change. And we have, you know, way less uh, opportunity to like buy homes than our parents. And I, I don't, I just don't think that there's the same level of fear about the word socialism that folks could have imagined, you know, a decade ago. Bernie has really made it, you know, popular. And I think a lot of people see this as an opportunity to maybe build a society that looks a little bit more like um, Europe or Canada, you know, where there are a lot more programs uh, to help people. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you said it extremely well right there. And you laid out several issues, whether it's student debt, uh, Medicare for all, climate change. I mean, and I think that's that's that to me is is how I try to. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm I'm kind of uh, on the fence between uh, Warren and, and Bernie, but I think the, the whole idea is when you explain it issue by issue. Like we already have social security in place. You know, like you, you want to talk about like public education, like kids can go to school, um, you know, when they're when they're like K through 12. And that is that's a, a taxpayer expense. Right. So it's like we already have programs in place that people would you could argue are socialist. And so one of the things I think my opinion is that Bernie has done such a good job, I mean, for the last 30, 40 years, you know, but is is talk about issues in a way that are very real to people. And I, I think people outside of that, they, they don't see the socialist label as much when he starts talking about issues. Um, and that is, to your point, like kind of just propaganda that's put out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think democratic socialism for, you know, everyone I know and for, I think a lot of, you know, people that are, uh, you know, like 40 and under right now, that's a really positive connotation. Um, since you mentioned Warren, one thing that I would note is kind of distinct in the democratic socialist approach to politics right now is that uh, Bernie Sanders says that he is running for organizer in chief. And it's really so much of his campaign is about building a movement and that movement has been building since like 2015. You know, you're seeing like all of these different uh, progressives primarying like longtime corporate backed incumbents. And, um, you know, if he is elected, it'll be, you know, like rallies and, um, trying to unseat, uh, incumbents that are, you know, not on the side of the people. And it's just, the, the movement is a big part of it. That's why his slogan is not me, us, because it's something that we're all doing together. Whereas I would say that Elizabeth Warren, while she does support many of the same policies, her approach is a little bit more of a traditional political approach. She, she wouldn't, I don't think she would ever say that she's running for organizer in chief. Like when you look at her approach to Medicare for all, it's to try to pass um, like a, a smaller bill first that would be a public option. And then possibly attempt to try three years later for a Medicare for all bill. And so it's kind of trying to do it through a more legislative 
and a technocratic approach. And I think that most people now who would identify as a socialist or a democratic socialist um, are folks who have kind of become disenchanted with getting much done through a legislative approach. And we really think that there's way more that's possible with a movement. And it's not even really about Bernie Sanders as a guy, you know, like he's, we're not electing him because we think he's the, the smartest or the most uh, charismatic or because we believe in his personal power at all. It's, we believe uh, that a movement can do a lot. And we believe that uh, Bernie has been uh, dedicated to these issues for a long time so that we can trust him to do the bidding of the movement, if that makes sense. Today's podcast is brought to you by the NRA, the Nashville Racketeering Association. We manufacture the highest quality tennis and squash rackets in the greater Nashville area. Graphite, hypercarbon, titanium, even tungsten. We work with everything and our rackets are top notch. Online response has been flabbergasting and we'd like to address that. Racketeering is something we're passionate about. Please stop sending us subpoenas. Also, protesters outside our office chanting down with the NRA are completely uncalled for. We're a pillar of the Nashville community. Bernie Sanders threw a brick through our window the other day. I mean, come on! The Nashville Racketeering Association. Please, for the love of God, leave us a positive Yelp review. Just to bring, maybe you will listen, maybe you'll scream, maybe everything is in your head. You could be alive and still be dead. Maybe we come back, maybe we don't, maybe we stack up. What needs to happen uh, in order to for Bernie to, to continue on and continue his momentum and, and maybe stave off like a Mike Bloomberg or Amy Klobuchar? Um, and, and also, since Bernie won in New Hampshire, I'm wondering, um, based on your, your tweets, like, did you did you actually wash your hair? my hair and I did brush my hair I mean that was kind of a joke (laughs) like I've been so busy and I've been so invested in this that uh you know I just yeah I uh I mean my hair has always kind of had a life of its own and I sort of like that about it I'm I'm a a little bit of a not like really a hippie but I have it in me I lived in the Bay Area for a long time but I did I yeah I uh and I went on a date, all that stuff. So I don't know. I was really happy when Bernie won New Hampshire. And I think Bernie is, you know, undeniably the front runner at this point. You will see the media frame it differently, if you be sure. But I mean, over half of all young people support him. Um, he, in my opinion, definitely won Iowa. He absolutely won the popular vote. And I think the media narrative around declaring Pete the winner was pretty bunk and sinister you know but uh i think bernie has a lot of momentum right now i think that um he's gonna do really well on super tuesday that's certainly what the polls are projecting i think he's gonna win nevada um i uh, hate mike bloomberg um I, i think that it's really disgusting that he's trying to straight up buy this election and um i don't see a lot of grassroots support for him whatsoever you know um i don't know i mean you know, I can just tell you that my my fingers are really crossed, and I hope that his efforts to try to buy this do not work. And what I think, you know, my advice to any person who who does not want to see uh, Mike Bloomberg 
by the election or, you know, maybe be selected as the nominee by the uh, DNC at the convention, which is one thing that could happen if we get to the point of a contested convention, Um, which, sorry to go off on a tangent, but I do think this is useful to explain for a second. Bernie Sanders needs to get a a majority of delegates before the convention to be the nominee outright. And what will happen if he doesn't is that the nominee can be pretty much selected by the Democratic Party. And obviously they're not going to pick Bernie Sanders. And I don't even think that they pick Elizabeth Warren or uh, a progressive of, you know, of any kind. I think they'll choose someone, uh, you know, right in the center and it would very likely be Michael Bloomberg. That's kind of what he's running for, um, is that opportunity, you know? So I would say to anybody who cares about Medicare for all, a green new deal, um, you know, even preserving social security, uh, and the social safety net that we have now, racial justice. I think that it's very important at this point to, uh, coalesce behind Bernie Sanders. Um, I don't see, you know, and folks can feel free to disagree. I don't see Elizabeth Warren as being uh, a viable candidate at this point. I mean, and that's not just because of, uh, you know, her, um, like, a kind of under performance in, in, in Iowa, excuse me, and New Hampshire. Um, it's also because, you know, her support for the most part is, um, you know, it's it's pretty white. Um, it's pretty uh, higher income, and you don't see the same kind of like super strong movement behind her. Although I like and respect Elizabeth Warren, I do think that the momentum is behind Bernie, and that um, we got we we absolutely must push him over the edge because the threat of uh, a, a centrist being selected and us not doing anything about climate change. It's just, um, it's super high and that would be devastating. And, you know, I know that folks will get mad at me for saying this, but I can absolutely assure you that if Warren was the one who uh, had momentum, I would be encouraging folks to get behind her as well, because we just really, you know, we we simply must not elect Michael Bloomberg. And I, I think he'd lose to Trump as well. This is a very different question. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, man. You know, I have a few, but I would say the Total Eclipse of the Heart is a big one for me. Total Eclipse of the Heart. That is. So do you, do you, have you done that in New York since you've been in New York? Um, yeah, I've done some karaoke. There's some karaoke in New York for sure. I, I was, last time I was in New York, it was like, uh, before a wedding and, uh, we did, did one of those, like, you know, you get the rooms and it's like, we just, I thought it was going to be kind of lame. Oh, we had a blast. I mean, it was like six people in a room for like two hours. It was very sweaty. I remember that. It was like being in a sauna, more like a locker room, I guess, like at the Y. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like what I like about New York. Like, I don't, like, you don't get as much natural light there, but it's, it's very, the city runs very late into the night, which I think I can get on board with. So, yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, who is your comic idol? Who's your comedian who you look up to? Um, there are a lot of comedians I really look up to. 
I think the person who's really been inspiring me lately is Maria Bamford because her work is just so original. Um, and you know, she's like, you can tell that she's just writing from like such a personal place, but also just like not afraid to just get super weird. And I just really, I love how kind she is. I love how supportive she is of up and coming comics. And it, it means a lot to me to see such a sweet, person have so much success you know like i think it's easy sometimes to imagine that the only people that could succeed are like you know kind of more on the like uh ruthless side or narcissistic or whatever and maria just absolutely proves that that's not true she's a wonderful human being and uh yeah i look up to her a lot I, I met her once in LA and the girl I was dating at the time was a huge fan. And I, I just went up and I was like, you know, I just want you to know, like my girlfriend is a huge fan of you. And she was so nice. And she was like, she genuinely, you know, at the time I was just like an open micer guy. And, and she was, just, she was just very nice. You know, you can just, it wasn't like we had this crazy conversation, but you could tell she just was genuinely sweet and uh, I think that that is sometimes people may not know that as much about comedians. It's not always that way. <laughs> comedians can be dicks. And uh... <laughs> yeah. no, I think most are pretty sweet, though. Comedians are sensitive and smart. And I think a lot better than, uh, than we get credit for sometimes. That's you true. Know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, what is like the weirdest gig that you've ever done? Oh man, the weirdest gig that I've ever done. Uh, yeah, I'm actually like doing it again tomorrow. Um, where uh, I did stand up at a BDSM convention, and uh, I'm doing the same thing tomorrow. I'm, I'm not like I'm not doing the BDSM stuff or whatever. I'm literally just going there as a comic. But it like I realized when I was on stage that. Um, some of these men that were in the audience, like they just, you know, they really liked uh, being made fun of um, and they liked it in a erotic way. I may go in a, and uh, roast these dudes for their erotic satisfaction, depending on how I'm feeling at that time, or I may <laughs> just tell jokes. <laughs> I was going to say, like, what do you, like, what do you wear to something like that? Do you, oh, like, I'm just going to wear jeans. I mean, it's not like, it's literally just a comedy gig. Like I'm just, you know, I'm not a, Yeah. Although I am a pro sex work and pro sex worker rights, I'm I'm not a I'm I'm not doing anything except for stand up. I'm just a stand up comedian. You know? <laughs> just a job, just a job, just yeah, there to do exactly. your job. Um, last question for you: I want folks to know about Reply Guys podcast. Tell people about about your podcast and where they can find it, where they can find you all that good stuff um, because you are, you're, you're, you're uh, awesome, funny comedian. And I know you care a lot about the issues. So I'm, I want people to check that stuff out. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So my podcast is called reply guys. It is a leftist feminist comedy podcast. Um, yeah. What leftism means for folks who may not be familiar, it's, you know, anything um, that is, anti-capitalist so you know like julia and i are democratic socialists but you know it's you know really really anything that is you know uh a lot of things could be included and so you know we talk a lot on that podcast about uh the connections between you know racism and capitalism and patriarchy and capitalism and 
Um, we have a lot of really great guests, women who are running for office. Um, it's a fun one. You know, it's a, we try to make something that feels like funny and accessible to folks who may not, um, be super familiar. Um, but yeah, so check it out. Um, and, uh, I also have a special on Netflix. I have a bunch of stand up online. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kate Willett, um, with two L's and two T's. Um, I have some tour dates coming up soon that I'll throw up on Twitter and Insta on my website. My Insta is kate.willett. Yeah, I'm, I'm easy to find. You're very, very easy to find. You're very Googleable. Like people can, yes. if you, exactly. if you had to work like a day job, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there. Like the, exactly. The, the yeah, back, I really, the back, I've really thrown my lot in with comedy at this point. <laughs> the, the background check wouldn't be too difficult, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Kate, thank you so much. Kate Willett, check her out. Uh, she's all over Twitter. She's very funny. And uh, check out Reply Guys podcast. Thank you so much for doing uh, my podcast. And, and uh, hopefully we can talk a little bit, um, you know, a little bit later, maybe down the road after uh, – we have not a 1968 style convention and uh <laughs> yeah I, I, I hope that bernie just wins it i hope he just gets enough delegates and he gets nominated and then he beats trump resoundingly i think that that's also a likely possibility 